Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. She's 103. She's been drinking for like 85 years. Pete Thamel. So do you think like in uh, bowl sponsorship heaven, there's like a special wing of the bar where, where the, like the gallerifurniture.com bowl hangs out with the pool and weed eater guys and the makers wanted. And do you think there's like, there, there's like a special wing? And SI's Pat Forty. What does it take to come up with a decent chicken sandwich? I'm going to guess a week. Smith, go out there and get me 200 chicken breasts, and let's figure out different ways to make them, and then we'll test them. Okay, that one. We're going with that one. Put it on the market. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. Uh, Welcome to the pod. Hope your week is going well. I know it's going well for this woman. She could be person of the year on the podcast. Jenny Stenjna. The Polish grandmother from Easton, Massachusetts. You hear about this lady? 103 years old. And she got the coronavirus. Not good. No. Yet, you do not just take down a 103-year-old Polish grandmother <laughs> easily. <laughs> She's going to fight, man. And sure enough, she did. Condition got bad. But she kept going. She said she was ready, ready to die. Didn't matter. She's she had lived a great life. She's in her nursing home. She makes it out, though. The only woman so far, the only resident so far to survive the coronavirus and recover in her nursing home. And uh, obviously, nursing homes are bad, uh, bad places. My mother is in a nursing home in New- in Massachusetts. Not going going OK, but they they've had a lot of. A lot of loss of life, but they've, they've actually had more survivors. So need more survivors. But Stejna gets out, I don't know, survives it. And they ask her what she wants. She noted that she hadn't had a drink in a long time. So they brought her an ice cold Bud Light. <sighs> 103 years old, coronavirus, and she cracks a Bud Light. The picture is no better way to celebrate, boys. Uh, yeah. the, the picture might be the best one of the whole, you know, last three months of the pandemic era here. I mean, it's just fantastic. Her sitting there in bed, uh, drinking her aluminum can 
Bud Light. I, I would I would wish better beer upon her, but you know what? Whatever she wants, let her have it. Yeah. I mean, I can't even believe you would bring like, dude. How do you <laughs> challenge the wisdom of a hundred and three year old who survived death? I don't yeah. challenge her wisdom. I just think she maybe hadn't had enough beer, you know, experience here in the last. 30 years of her life. She's been, <laughs> she's 103. She's been drinking for like 85 years. She's yeah. been what do you since know? World War One. I. I don't know. Yeah, sure. She, but I don't know how many people she like was married. craft beer in their 80s. So maybe she just hadn't had a chance to have a good beer. I'm happy for Come her. On. I'm very happy for her. She's a hero. I love the picture. But stick a better beer in her hand. She might be even happier. What a miserable human being you are. <laughs> I was happy for her because those aluminum cans, they get extra cold. They do. You know what I mean? They do. And so, like, I don't think you're exactly going to roll out of COVID intensive care and be, like, too persnickety. But having that beer nice and cold, I think, matters a lot more than, you know, than, than how hoppy it is. So, I uh, I was happy for our Polish friend that she got her, uh, that she got her ice cold Bud Light. Definitely a pod hero. She was married in 1938. <laughs> oh, she got married before World War II. Yeah. So now, good for her, I'm man. I'm glad they she let has her drink. One today. Hope she has one every day. Yep. What the hell? I mean, yeah. Let them drink. Absolutely. Yeah. 103, and you survive coronavirus, then they ought to just open up a, a happy hour in that place. <laughs> Make sure we have the Boston Red Sox on for it. Listen to the Red Sox. Yeah. Yeah. I want her out the there Red on opening Sox day, on the radio. toasting the crowd. Like whenever that happens again. She could. You know. You know how baseball, I mean, they're not going to play baseball because these guys are going to argue about money. That's just really the national pastime, by the way. Yeah. yeah. I thought this yeah. really, everyone's like, we have the national pastime being ruined by money. Money is the <laughs> national pastime, you idiots. <laughs> what do you think we do around here? I hate people who think America isn't what America is. Just love it for what we are. Yeah. Bickering about billions is our thing. They need to make her like the rally monkey. You know how they sometimes have that? Or like the rally pigeon. <laughs> Anytime the Red Sox need a comeback, they just pop her up there on the screen drinking her Bud Light. <laughs> no. You want to get her, a turn her into a mascot? You're comparing her to a primus? Yes. Uh, <laughs> if, you're, if you've been rooting for the Red Sox for 100 years, that yeah. would be an honor. What do you? She looks pretty happy in the picture. She does. She got a beer yeah. in her hand. Yeah. yeah. Well, she lived through anyway, a lot of bad baseball until about the turn of the century. So <laughs> yeah. she really did, but, man. Yeah. Put in her time. Yeah. <laughs> Things have gotten good. Two children, three grandchildren, four great grandchildren, three great great children. Wow. Mm -hmm. Great great grandchildren. Yep. A lot of generations. Bud Light for all of them, even the great great grandchildren. <laughs> ba baptize them in Bud Light. Yeah, that's right. Why not? In case, uh, in case this, um, in case anyone from the Southwoods uh, nursing home is is uh, listening, this story isn't uh, true, but I'll just tell it anyway, <laughs> just in case, because they have law, they have rules against this. But last time I was at uh, visiting my mother in the nursing home, I was trying. She liked drinking doers, mm. and uh, I went down this little corner store, and uh, they didn't have all they had was beer and wine, so I was trying to get the little small bottles, right, to sneak into her. And uh, the guy asked me what I was like, you know, kind of weird, right? Like <laughs> buying four small white wine <laughs> bottles, right? He's like, 
what are you doing? And I'm like, ah, I'm going to sneak these into my mother's nursing home. <laughs> this story's not true, of course. Yeah. Just yeah, right. technically. Right. Right. But yeah. I, <laughs> he was so proud of me. He's like, that's a good song right there. That's, <laughs> I was like, yeah, man. Yeah. In Massachusetts, that gets you sainthood. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was pretty. The guy at the pack, he was pretty excited for me. Yeah. Uh, but that didn't happen, of course. No. Um, so, but if it did, that's how the story would have gone. <laughs> if it did, you would have been a but good son. Are you the Christian yeah, Dawkins of that nursing home, Dan? Like the, the under yeah. the table uh, well, operator? That's the thing. Could get a good like hooch collection. You could really make some money. Like those prison drug dealers, right? Yes. Right? You sell sell inside the prison. You got a captive audience. Where'd you get the white wine? Uh all right. Anyway, let's get to some football. I saw this and and uh I don't know. I don't think any of us in the media spend a whole lot of time talking about the student athlete or very little. <laughs> Uh, we want when we discuss whether we should return college football or college sports, we talk about money and uh, again America and uh, our own personal interests again America <laughs> at its finest, and we don't care about the uh, the labor. <laughs> Once again, let's do it. Uh, however, the NCA did a survey of student athletes, and they had I think thirty seven thousand respond. Hmm. So this is a pretty sizable uh survey uh, you know this isn't one of those like political po- they, we, they pulled 11 people nationally and have a you know uh what they got uh 37,000 now these are division 1 2 and 3 all sports and obviously we care more about football but uh some interesting things they talked about uh mental health fear quote barriers to training 43% had a fear of exposure to COVID-19. Mm. 40% felt a lack of motivation to train. Mm. 30% mentioned family personal responsibilities. 13% is too sad or depressed to train. Wow. Uh, 21% too stressed or anxious to train. Now, there's probably some carryover in this. I'm not... I don't know all of it, but these numbers were um, were big. Uh, and then later, and this is part of the thing, I, I, why I don't really mind that they've opened these facilities, lack of access uh, to training equipment, training partners, all that, 69, 72, 79%. So huge issues there. I'm sure, uh, Pat, your daughter's dealing with that, right? You got to find the pool, then you got to find the, all the, the ability. But these numbers were really interesting because this is obviously not something that gets a lot of focus, but 43% of college athletes, according to this, and this is a 37,000 person survey, have a fear of exposure to COVID-19. Obviously, we can look and go, ah, you're 18 to 22, you're perfectly healthy, you probably won't die. Easy for me to say. Uh, they obviously have this concern. The one caveat I would put on this the poll, the survey ran during the last three weeks of April. And I think one month later, as we barrel towards June 1st, uh, so it's basically ended May 1st. Uh, I think the country's in a in a different place as we stare. And I think once again, we will be in a different place July 1st. I, one of the reasons we have been saying on this podcast all along, you don't have to make a decision yet. So don't make a decision yet. Um Keep planning like you're going, but you can pull the plug later. You don't have to pull the plug early. So I thought this was pretty interesting, though. I don't know what that what it means for a football program, but I don't think it's unlikely that some kids are just going to say, hell no, 
Uh, I don't want to do it. Pat, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, those are very interesting numbers. Um, really illuminative, I think. And I, if I'm a college administrator, I'm paying close attention to that. And I'm saying to every coach that I would have, check on your players, check on your athletes. A lot of them are, a lot of them have been, but, you know, Zoom calls are one thing. Getting, I think, on the phone and talking to all of them individually at various points and saying, how are you doing, I think would go a long way towards at least getting an understanding. Uh, Conferences have made it a big initiative, and it's good. The NCAA has made it an initiative. It's good. Mental health and being aware of what's going on between the ears for your players emotionally is becoming a, a bigger priority, and it should be. And I think this indicates, those numbers indicate that these are scary times for a lot of people. And, you know, just because there's video of the Lake of the Ozarks young people mosh pit of of revelry out there doesn't mean everybody's thinking that and feeling that. And if you've got college students of any age, but it's college athletes who you are going to ask to come back to campus in June or at the latest, maybe in early July, and train for your sport, you better do your best to, first of all, everything buttoned up, but B, to put them at ease with that and make sure they are okay with that. As you said, Dan, you know, there there could be some personal choice involved here of, no, I don't want to do it, or my family doesn't want me to do it. And schools are going to have to deal with that, and I think respect that. So that's, you know, they, they don't have a union. They don't have collective bargaining. They don't have people speaking necessarily for them. Each player and athletes, families, they're going to have to probably do the speaking for themselves and make some decisions. Well, I don't know if you guys saw the story out of UCLA uh, earlier this week where there was like a group of student athletes who had some initiatives and some baselines they wanted to come back. And I thought one of those, which I thought was very smart, was if we don't feel comfortable coming back this year, we want our scholarship protected. Yeah. Now, a lot of those aren't just like a full football scholarship, but a lot of those is if you are a softball player. A lot of these non-revenue sports, the common fan doesn't realize, they don't all have full scholarships. So if you're a baseball player, even at a place like UCLA, there's a good chance that you only have a one-third scholarship, a two-third scholarship. Pat's shaking his head in swimming, obviously. That's the case as well. And uh, so... And that's valuable money because it's a, it's a huge amount of money to, to families. And there's always the risk of, well, if I take a semester off, if I go abroad, if I don't hit every training session, I could essentially get docked my pay. And so I thought that was a really savvy thing for the athletes at UCLA to do, to say, OK, look, if I don't feel comfortable coming back and look like it's not very appealing if if you're a, a non-revenue student athlete to go play in front of empty stadiums, to have a college experience in what will be at least a reduced and maybe a you know moderately empty campus. Like that's not what you signed up for. When you sign up for UCLA, you sign up for the whole thing. You sign up for the, the athletic experience and the academic experience like you don't sign up for your your 63 year old professor of history to be zooming you, even though you're on campus. So uh, if you do take a timeout, I thought the protection of that scholarship was a really, uh, a really savvy thing. Um, there was an interesting New York times article this week where, uh, which basically said like student athletes don't have a voice in, in all this in, in coming back. They quoted a, uh, a, a tight end from, uh, from Florida State named Carmen McDonald, who's from out west. He's from, uh, I think he went to Long Beach Poly. And he basically said the pro athletes have a voice, 
In the NCAA and with other amateurs, players don't have a strong voice and have a union. Their voice is always suppressed. I'm not Joe Burrow. I'm just a tight end of Florida State. And I thought it was a, a really good point. We have heard the least in all this from uh, for, from student athletes. I, I wrote something a week or two ago from the Football Oversight Committee, which is sort of an NCAA committee that's planning some of the details to come back. Uh, they were blown away by the contributions of an Oklahoma player named Pat Fields. Uh, I believe he's a safety who, who's the student advocate on that, who, who said to them, look, we need more access to our strength coaches right now via Zoom. Like if we were on campus right now, we'd be around these guys, you know, constantly. Like we're, we're in touch with them more than our coaches. And then say basically limited strength coach contact and the ability to work out reliability, right? Johnny drops a barbell on his foot you know, who's liable, et cetera. And, and Fields very eloquently said, look, we, we need to stay in shape. We need these guys. We need this presence. This is what we would have had. And so I, I think student voices are, are critical and they have been essentially ignored so far. Certainly going to be an issue. Uh, we will see where, where it ends up, but I don't think there's a whole lot of discussion. Uh, and, I, and I understand why. It's a fan. You just want them to play. But you look at the, the baseball players bucking back at the idea that we're going to take a pay cut back and forth between the NBA and the NBA players. So, you know, who this bubble, how many teams in all the different things, like there are real arguments when you get down the, to it and the players, uh, the student athletes just, just don't have that. I mean, they just don't have it. They, they may be a committee or they put a couple kids on the, they always put the, the most gung ho person, right. On the, yeah. the most establishment person gets on the <laughs> right. committees. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's great. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. some people it isn't great. I, I just these were big numbers to yeah. me. Uh so pretty interesting. And we it's did, did did you see the uh Indiana uh academic calendar they released yesterday? This goes back to a point I we had not. talked about before. They are gonna have nobody on campus from November twentieth to February eighth. That is the longest I've seen. That is two months wow. and two more. That's two and a half months. And you're going to say, tell your football players and your wrestlers and your swimmers and your indoor track and peep field people, you guys, now nah, you stay there. Two and a half months. And your basketball. And, well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, it's uh, Indiana basketball. Yeah, that's, that's who mm -hmm. I meant to mention first if I didn't. But yeah, that, you know, you guys, no, nope, you go take care of things, lock it down. Everybody else is going for two and a half months. Yeah. So we'll let 20,000 in Assembly Hall to watch you if we're at that point then, or we'll let 10,000 or 8,000, but yeah. we're not going to let actual students on campus during this yeah. time. Yeah, they're going to do remote. I would say this, though. Mm -hmm. It's like a it's like a mini bubble, though, if you like the well, basketball team. Yeah, no, it is. Maybe it you're is. safer there. It is, although they, they, you're also going to be asking them to travel, you know, and go be in the Big Ten ACC Challenge and the Gavit Games and, and this and that. I guess it depends how many fans they let in, right? But. I mean, if you send all the students home, they're just going back to their. Unless you have a stay-at-home lockdown order next winter, they're just they're just going to be in the bars back in Indianapolis, the suburbs of Indianapolis, where they're all from. Sure, yeah, that's true. Broad Ripple. I don't know, but no, I agree. It's a bad look if you're going to be like it's too. It's not safe here, but you you play. Um, I do think on a weird way it becomes safer when they're all gone, but it, it's a pretty boring existence. Whew, I mean, it's rough, man. What's the whole point of being a basketball star if there ain't any <laughs> parties after the game. <laughs> yeah. go. Dan showing well, us why to go over he never Coach Miller's a basketball house. star with that. Uh. <laughs> Let's go watch some more tape. <laughs> some more free throws up. There you go. Yeah.
Let's look at some Jimmy different Chip ways would. to defend that pick and roll, shall we? <laughs> I mean, even in Hoosiers, they like celebrated with the fans. <laughs> yes, that was the most miserable existence <laughs> of any basketball player ever. <laughs> they go back those those ugly farms they had. Have you ever seen uglier farms than in Hoosiers? <laughs> Normally, like life on the farm, they make it look nice. Like, oh, you know, they get nice sunsets and it's like great. Those farms, they're just like picking up like stray wood and like it's like mud fields. Like, what are they growing in Hoosiers? As someone who has spent a lot of time driving through the back roads of Indiana, including yesterday, there's there's I thought it was pretty accurate detailing of the farms. I've got to say. I think it was. I'm sorry. They're not sure all they like green acres, man. Yeah. They didn't film it in I Shreveport. brought this up. <laughs> it's a, a very similar. Like, Norman Dale. Like, what the heck, man? And he's like, goes out on dates with that one woman. <laughs> like, we're just going to walk around my grandma's farm. <laughs> hey, sounds like a good time to me. 1950s in Milan, man. Weren't they like creating, they creating syrup or something? I don't know what they were doing. <laughs> And it's like, I'm going to go out on a date with this woman. We're going to walk around my her mom's mud farm, and she's going to tell me how much she hates basketball. Mud farm. Good times, dude. Farming mud. You, know, you can drive to Indianapolis. There's got to be somebody up there a little more fun than that woman. It's Milan, baby. And not a lot going on in Milan. Cincinnati. You can get, you to, can Cincinnati get to Cincinnati pretty Cincinnati quick. It's got to be someone better than that. <laughs> Barbara Hershey. I know the Tinder probably didn't work too well back then, but geez, what's your hobbies? Walking around mom's farm. That's that's how you end up with Dennis Hopper as your drunk assistant, though. You know, that's the lower talent pool. Is the Dennis Hopper probably? I can see why he was drinking so much. (laughs) Um, All right, where the hell were we? Uh, All right, (laughs) let's move on. Uh, Let's talk about depressing. More depressing. Dennis Dodd. Our buddy Dennis Dodd, CBS Sports, got a story with a bunch of uh, economists and different people predicting. This is Ted Tatos, the University of Utah economist. Now, I don't know why he would have any idea what's going on. But he says if there's no NCAA tournament next year and if they're closing these schools down in the winter, I don't know, uh, who's starting them back up? That's always the problem with shutting things down is you got to make the call to start them back up. Uh, according to Tatos, I think then there has to be a breakaway from this model. He is predicting that 65 schools, the five power conference leagues and Notre Dame uh, will split from the rest of it and end the NCAA. I'm telling you, if you or I were going to place a bet on a stock, you would could double down on the power five being a separate entity. Now within two years said Vince Thompson, founder and CEO of melt an Atlanta-based sports and entertainment marketing firm. With or without a cure, you're looking at forced modernization of the NCA. This is Thompson. It is going to be an accelerated seismic shift in college athletics. The good Lord has a wicked sense of humor. It is forcing a lot of hands that even three months ago, you and I would have had this conversation be laughing about it. Uh, I'm kind of still laughing about it. I don't see no. this. No, I, I don't see a split. I, I don't get it. College first off, the power five schools get all of the college football money. Pretty much, they have to share like one group of six bowl or whatever they call it. New Year's six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They shuffle off. They they write all the rules. They have to share some basketball revenue if the teams do well that aren't playing football. But you ain't getting these 
billion dollar tournament without the smaller schools. Oh, and the northeast part of the country. Okay, Villanova matters. (laughs) Yep, sure does. (laughs) Okay, New York matters. You need those. You need Seton Hall and St. John's with a shot. You, I mean, you, you, you just these cities are bigger than states. You need these things, and then. Even if they broke away, they just have to create another NCA. Someone's got to run stuff and the rules. And I don't get I don't get this at all. Uh, Dennis does great. And these are all on the record comments. I don't see it. Do you could this be the end? Could COVID kill the NCA? Pat Ford. No, 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 no. You're all of your skepticism is is correct and well earned. And then, you know, what? look, this comes up every few years, doesn't it? It's this fantasy uh, of the the power five breakaway or or we end up with four 16 team super conferences and and it's the end of the ncaa as we know it but it doesn't happen because as you pointed out dan they've already got the things the way engineered the way they want them what what really you know would do they gain out of that they need the other schools around so they can schedule them to fill out schedules and win beat them put you know thir- win 38 to 7 in front of the home fans and make everybody happy they uh, absolutely need the NCAA to run the championships, the one thing the NCAA does well. They need the NCAA at least to pretend to be the cops because somebody's got to be the cops, and who wants to take that on? You know, if you, if, you, if you create this new Power Five thing and say, you know, Greg Sankey becomes the commissioner of the commissioners of the Power Five, well, who, who decides who the, who the cops are, the enforcement for rules? Because you will still have to have some rules, I hate to tell everyone. Uh, so let the NCAA do that. Let them be the bad guys. Let them take all the slings and arrows for your messy system of justice and just keep rolling the way it is. As you pointed out, I mean, they get all the revenue. They have all the say in how the TV stuff works. Uh, there's no re- no good reason to break off and start something new when you've already got a sweetheart deal. If they did it, it would be a sign of even less uh, foresight than we sometimes suspect that they have. I, uh, I definitely generally agree with Pat. And, uh, I think that I don't think there is some imminent breakup. I think there are fault lines that hint at it and I can see why people would get there. But I also think that like the, the reason why we will not see a split is because football and basketball are sort of bound together in, in, in a bunch of complicated billion dollar contractual relationships. And so to break off in this in this grand theory would be to slice multiple billion dollar contracts. Now, so the NCAA tournament contract is through 2032. All right. Billion dollars a year. It's a great deal. It's three weeks and they, they get a billion bucks flowing in pretty much every year. Right. So if you are going to say we're going to break away and start our own deal, you would have to break away from your part of that contract. Um, now football itself breaking away and basketball themselves breaking away into their own essentially professional sports leagues makes sense like in theory, but in reality, like then say employs 720 people. And for as much as we may rip them and as useless as they may seem, those 720 people aren't like complete. They're, they're not showing up and just sharpening their pencil and like playing with their stapler every day. They're actually doing some things. So Dan disagrees. He thinks they actually are just doing no, that. I, <laughs> I do agree. No, the, 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 the people who work in Indianapolis, yeah, they're just doing the job that the power schools, I, they do a great job. 
they market the hell out of this sport. They sell these sports. They manage these sports. And for every small thing, and they've gotten better at all of those things, like, you know, the uh, of the controversy, they do a great job. Yeah. You, you would have to recreate those 720 people to run things. Yes. Yeah. Essentially. It, could you pare them down? Could you? Re- yes. Like, and oh, we, we would football break away and have a commissioner. That's great. But like the unwinding of this is exponentially more complicated than I think anyone gives credit for. So are you going to unwind for the NSA tournament contract? If you pull away, can you do that? Because you're contractually bound to this. If you if you pull away and then half of college basketball, it's so what? There's 31 or 32 leagues that get automatic bids, Pat. 31. 30. Mm, I think it's 31. I think it's 31. Yeah. yeah. So there's 31. So say the whatever pull away and the, you know, say the power five pull away and then there's 26 left. So those 26 are still going to have an NCAA tournament because the NCAA is going to exist and they all have cross country and field hockey and all that stuff. So when you go start your own tournament after you break away, after you unwind from all those millions of dollars, like how attractive is your tournament would have better basketball in theory than some of the other ones. Like how does all that, the the complications of all that are are exponentially more difficult than I think anyone's giving, anyone's giving it credit for. So I can see the fault lines. I can see where people would start to say the divide is bigger. I can see like on issues like testing. Oh, the power five schools are going to be able to test more because they have more money. Like you can see the division and you can see them pulling apart, but the Power Five has got a pretty good deal right now. And I just don't know, like, nobody's told me, if we break away, these are the three things we're going to break away for and do. Like, you can be annoyed with that saying you cannot like it. It's at poor leadership. You will not find a single athletic director who thinks Mark Emmert is good at his job as the president. He's iced them out. And basically, the NSA presidents have just kept giving him raises and, and promoting him. Like, the athletic directors are all sick of the NCA, and I'm sure they sit around the bar at their athletic director conventions and sort of, like, fantasize about this. But I just think in contractual reality, there's no way it happens. 32, by the way. 32 leagues, just for Your tour, Okay, no more Gonzaga. Yeah. No more Georgetown. Right. No more, I mean, come on. Save okay, your-, your basketball tournament. Yeah. You take the Americana out of the national Collegiate Athletic Association March Madness, and and you lose. That's what sells. People aren't watching that for great basketball. There's better basketball on TNT at the exact same time. If you're a if you want to watch the best basketball, you watch the NBA. It's the same way. Do people go to high school games because it's the best basketball they can watch? No, they go because they know the players. They went to the school. They love the town. That's why. Same with football. Any of it. You want to watch the best. There are pro leagues right there for you. You can't take that out. But I just think this is like one of those deals. It's like, oh, if you poll and say, do you like the NCAA or hate the NCAA? Like 85% of people, I hate the NCAA. Do you like Ohio State football? Yeah, I love it. Absolutely, yeah. right? They're, it's these guys standing in the way. They're just workers there. Are there some? Is there some dead weight like Mark Emmert? Yes. <laughs> Mark Emmert is... I don't know what he's he's really gotten bad. I mean, I get part of their job is like you get paid a couple million bucks to be the punching bag. Right. Like, why is Roger Goodell make 46 million? Because he gets booed everywhere he yeah. goes. But doesn't matter. The owners like him. So you you get paid a lot of money to to be the punching bag. But I just don't I don't get what you what are you getting out of this? Hey, uh, we we're going to test uh, every athlete. And, uh, you know, uh, Eastern Michigan isn't. Okay, then what? Why would kicking them out do any? Why would that change anything? <laughs> Nothing. 
you're you're barely propping the and then I think the political ramifications, these state legislatures and governors are not going to allow you to just cut off every school in your state. It's it's like during realignment when everyone said, well, SEC or the Pac-12, Pac-12 wants Oklahoma and Texas. Yeah, well, you're taking Oklahoma State and Texas Tech with them. You, you, these guys can't just go, mm-hmm. right? So I think there's, I, I, I don't buy this at all. I think it is one of those like great athletic director and then fan kind of fantasies. Just don't see it. No, not happening. All right. Uh, I have some sad news to report. Uh-oh. Oh, no. A breaking sad unlike news? Our 100 and th- yeah, breaking sad news. <laughs> and unlike our 103-year-old Polish grandmother <laughs> sucking down Bud Lights, we have a death in the family. Uh-oh. The bad, bo- bad Boy Mowers Bowl. <laughs> the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl is no longer. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know if COVID did the Bad Boy Mower in. Maybe it doesn't get added to the... So the, the tally <laughs> is a COVID related death or not. You figure you're safe mowing all by yourself outside. So I'm thinking, no, I'm thinking, no, I mean, I don't think you're going to get, you know, uh, bad boy mowers is pulling its sponsorship of the Gasparilla bowl. No longer the title sponsor. According to Brett McMurphy, who has <laughs> broken this important story on stadium. <laughs> uh, he notes the previous names of the bowl. Yeah. It's quite a bowl. It began as the Magic Jack Bowl. Okay, that sounds like an okay. kind of website you're not allowed to go on with your work computer. I don't know what the, I mean. This was Tampa, so who knows? Uh, the St. Petersburg Bowl presented by Beef O'Brady. Oh, yeah. And the Beef O'Brady, the best part of Beef O'Brady's is they have an apostrophe on each side of the O. <laughs> makes no sense <laughs> well so it could be like the beef tom brady bowl <laughs> right yeah. the apostrophe i don't understand bad 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 punctuation bad everything it's named beef and the main thing they sell is chicken wings so you know, yeah a lot of issues really with weird beef brady then it just became the beef brady bowl <laughs> they dumped the other stuff <laughs> presented by it's like when the rose bowl didn't want to sell out so yeah. they you know they get the presenting sponsor yeah. just caught then they were like there's no shame in this we'll throw in a couple extra potato skins let us just call <laughs> it the beef o'brady bowl you could see that hashed out at a golf course somewhere on uh, yeah. yeah yeah john junk beef o'brady bailed and it became the bitcoin so <laughs> Wow. Seriously, the Bitcoin St. Petersburg Bowl. Wow. I I, I don't even remember that. Bit, Bitcoin sponsored a bowl. Yeah. If if we were smart, <laughs> we would have bought Bitcoin back then and we'd all be rich yeah. enough. We wouldn't have to do this podcast. You know? <laughs> we do it for love, Pete. Uh, that's love. true. That's true. Some days. Love of the game. <laughs> love of the game. Love of the game. So do you think like in uh bowl sponsorship heaven, there's like a special wing of the bar <laughs> where where the like the gallerryfurniture.com bull hangs out with the pool and weed eater guys and the makers wanted? And do you think there's like a, there, there's like a special wing where all these guys are like, ah, 
It was a good run from 2016 <laughs> to 2018, you know, and they're shipping their, uh, you know, <laughs> shipping whatever, whatever bowl sponsored drink they were given by some uh, yeah. John Junker type guy, the uh. Duck Commander Independence Bowl, and the, uh, I believe it is still the Cherry Brundy, yeah, Boca Cherry Brundy. Raton I, I think bowl. Maker, Maker's Wanted or whatever that is is still going too, aren't they? Bowl, aren't they? The Bahamas Bowl? I thought that was Maker's just one wanted year. They got all that publicity and then they, and yeah. then they jumped. Yeah. Um, don't forget it's the an industrial park near humanitarian bowl, the micronpc.com bowl, insight.com bowl. Well, after the Bitcoin, it went to the St. Petersburg bowl, then the bad boy mower. So okay. I do think they sit in heaven. They discuss like, remember that great Northern <laughs> Illinois Marshall game? <laughs> We had 4 p.m. on the 27th of December. Yeah. They kicked the meaningless field goal at the end. They had the over and 11 fans yeah. that were remaining in the stadium went bonkers because they had the over. Uh, the Papa John's Bowl. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, the two great parts of that. Dang. They made all the fans sit on one side yeah. like a movie. Yes. Right. Yeah. And then they ran out of pizza. <laughs> yeah. At the Papa John Bowl. <laughs> so what's the new sponsor of the bowl? I, the, the Yahoo Sports College podcast. Come on, sell me. Yeah. Get to work. That's that. We should sponsor a bowl. We really should. Well, well let's offer $15. See what we can do. I'm very popular with the bowl industry. Five yes. bucks each. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, you are. You sure are. Why don't we call it the death of the BCS Bowl? Yeah. <laughs> The Yahoo Sports Cat, Yahoo College Sports, Yahoo Sports College Podcast Bowl presented by Death to the BCS. <laughs> How about bowls hey, are whatever the, the bowls are stupid bowl presented by the <laughs> Yahoo Sports College Podcast. One year, I did a story when I used to cover the Daytona 500. Uh, there was this. I'm sure none of the none of our listeners have ever been there, but there was a. A, I think believed it's called a bikini bar, but it may have gone past that stage. Called the Shark Lounge in uh in daytona and uh one year a car lost its sponsorship at the last minute and uh the 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 shark lounge somehow rallied up like a thousand bucks and sponsored a car in the daytona 500 like the legend the biggest sporting event biggest thing going on in daytona and this this uh cd cd joint down by the beach got a car right there next to you know miller light and <laughs> Lowe's and Home Depot. <laughs> the Shark Lounge. So maybe they're looking for... It I think the be. Shark Lounge closed. Dan, this one... If it didn't, it should have. Now, this one should definitely hit you hard, being a mowing enthusiast that you are, to lose the, the bad this boy This was mower. actually... You know? I've watched videos of the bad boy <clears throat> mowers. The Zero Turn, they got some good product. There's no question. <laughs> are those better than the one. bowl itself? Like the YouTubes of the lawnmower? Do you enjoy those more yeah. than actual bowl product? Yeah. I've probably watched more minutes of, of the, the bad boy mowers on YouTube than <laughs> the actual game. <laughs> the best part of the game broadcast is when Quint Kacenich or whoever the sideline person is gets in the bad boy mower and scoots around the sideline <laughs> on that thing. You know, there's always some point in the second half, you know, as, as viewership is draining that they that they go to that prop. But not, that's no more. I mean, these things are sweet. <laughs> They're really, I'm watching now. <laughs> watching now. <laughs> We've lost Wetzel down the, the yeah. bad boy mower rabbit hole. Does your wife ever walk in your I'm, office I'm and be, be like, busy. Dan, I caught you watching the mower videos again. You told me you would stop. 
Better than me trying to find out what the magic jack bowl was. Let me tell you that. All right. You get the big brother Yahoo phone call from headquarters. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've been watching a lot. Of, I mean, these things just, I mean, they're just sweet. That, I mean, I don't have a big enough lawn for them. That's my problem. But yeah. the bad boy ZT Elite. <laughs> That's your personal favorite. It's looking, I didn't think can cut some grass. I'll tell you that. Yeah. See How if, much if does that run got, you, Dan? How much would that cost? Let me see. 2020 Bad Boy Rogue seems to be their new, mm-hmm. their new product. Uh, Bad Boy wants to send me a mower. I'll review it on the <laughs> podcast. If more people had bought the ZT Elite, they might still be the sponsor. <laughs> this thing's called the Bad Boy Outlaw Rogue. I mean, can we, can we take this any more seriously? <laughs> um, it's a lawnmower. Yeah. Okay. I don't. <laughs> Does it effectively cut uh, grass? 9,599. Yeah. $9,000 9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $9 for a like lawnmower? <laughs> yeah. Wow. I've bought three Dude, cars this- in my, four cars in my life for less than $9,000. Way less. <laughs> yeah, but it's not as good as this thing. <laughs> they were not nice cars. I'm not saying that, but they actually like, they could actually drive further than the, you know, just general area of your lawn. That's the second uh, most. Let me tell you what. Professional class dual hydraulic pumps and drive motors. The Rogue didn't give an inch to our other outlaw class mowers, except more deck inch options. Oh. Available sizes 54 to 72. 72 inch. That's a big, I mean, they're going to cut. Sets the new standard for every other commercial or large acreage mower in this price range <laughs> for dependable, long lasting performance. There has never been a better zero turn time to go Rogue. Wow. All right. I wonder what the That's most expensive mower is out there. Second most overpriced thing I've heard about during quarantine here. That's amazing. This thing would go faster than your car on the Southeast Expressway, Pete. <laughs> what's the most what's what's the most overpriced thing, Pat? Those uh, endless pool things you can buy. The uh, yeah, yeah, some some folks were looking into that. Perhaps some folks maybe in this house even. The Michael Phelps model, $35,000. Okay. $35,000. Yep. Well, let me just tell you a little bit about the Toro 74090 <laughs> Z Master 7,500, 96-inch zero-turn mower. 96-inch. That's that's a lot. That's big. You want to hear the sticker price on this bad boy? What yeah. is it? $32,999. <laughs> <laughs> Who on earth is paying Who for is that? buying this? Augusta National? Yeah. Like, what? who can afford that? I mean, um, it's unbelievable. You have to have an estate, not yeah. a yard for <laughs> right. that. Like, right. Oh, and my. you have to be buying it for someone else to ride it. If well, I had thirty-two grand to spend on a mower, I would just set up, like, years of lawn service. Yeah, you, you pay someone else to mow that's it. Yeah. Thing. You yeah. have to have an estate and enough money to buy it for your yard, your, 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 your groundskeeper. I guess this is the groundskeeper who buys this. 96 seven gauge turbo force deck, bull new bull nose bumper, deluxe suspension seat, maintenance free spindle bearings, but they misspelled maintenance. <laughs> I mean, can at least spell it right for 34 grand, whatever this thing. <laughs> wow. 32, th- 33 grand for a mower. Wait, John Deere is calling this the wait. I might have a more expensive one. Come on. The John Deere X758. What? <laughs> Let's see. Are you now just you're just like Googling most expensive mower on earth? Is that what you're doing? You got something better? You got something better to do? All right. <laughs> uh, it's only worth 25 grand. We're good. But that can plow snow as well. 
All right, I wanted to get to this because we have uh, Bobby Hurley feuding with his athletic director yeah. uh, and uh, a, a booster at Arizona State accused of sexually harassing three women, including Bobby Hurley's wife. I mean, this is a very ASU scandal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't even know what's going on. Pete, you've been all over this thing. I've read your story, so I know some. But uh, b- briefly explain the uh, the smoldering scandal of, of Arizona State and this this uh, creep of a yeah, booster. Dan, it's a, uh, a really messy situation at Arizona State right now. And what they basically have are two lawsuits or pending lawsuits or potential lawsuits. Basically, the groundwork via a notice of claim has been sent to them for a pair of multi-million dollar lawsuits regarding a former booster there named Bart Ware. And the timeline of this really starts back at the Pac-12 tournament in 2019. So last year at the Pac-12 tournament, the wife of an associate athletic director alleged that Bart Ware inappropriately touched her, sexually harassed her at during the Pac-12 tournament game. When her story got raised, the wives of two other women uh, who were married to people in the Arizona State Athletic Department, including the wife of Bobby Hurley, Leslie Hurley, brought forth their own allegations of inappropriate conduct by Bart Ware, this booster. And this gets thorny because athletic director Ray Anderson essentially ignored or did not investigate these allegations for essentially five months. And when he finally did look into them, Bart Ware still ended up showing up at an Arizona State basketball game in December. So they had an independent investigator finally come in. The investigator late in the fall had their findings. Everybody looked at their findings. And then after all this, Bart Ware shows up at a game. And that just flipped out Bobby Hurley. He went apoplectic. And he sent off a fiery email to his boss, Ray Anderson, essentially on behalf of his wife, which is a very natural thing for someone to do, to stand up for that. And basically accuses him of, quote, disturbing, end quote, behavior regarding this situation because he felt that Ray Anderson had minimized this, had ignored it, and he let his emotions rip in this email on December 8th that we wrote a story about yesterday. And it really underscores the tension between Coach Hurley and his athletic director. Um, So when you look at this situation, what's happened is Ray Anderson fired an associate athletic director for what that associate athletic director believes was retaliation for him insisting that Ray Anderson looked at the allegations, which were also brought up by the associate athletic director's wife. And so One of the lawsuits is in retaliation, and the other lawsuit comes from Bart Ware, the booster who allegedly did these things, and he's claiming that the university defamed his character, and he claims his innocence, and he claims the university ignored evidence that he that these are false and made up claims. And he somehow used the word extortion to uh, to to tie to that. He thinks he's being used a pawn for David Cohen, the former associate athletic director, to uh, get the money now. I think anyone rational would take a look at this and say, would three women really make up stories like this about the same guy? It seems highly unlikely. Bart Ware is suing for to get his name back. He says charitable boards have thrown him off and it's been hard on him and his family. David Cohen lost his job 
fighting essentially for what he felt was fair treatment of his wife. So he put a notice claim in for $1.5 million. Ray Anderson, who, of course, is the person who waited through all this, is still the athletic director at Arizona State, making a lot of money. The university has really done nothing to Ray Anderson except admitted, yeah, we took a little longer than we should have. So what was interesting from the fallout of our story that Yahoo broke on I guess it was Wednesday night, they're all the same in quarantine, was that the uniformity of people behind Bobby Hurley, and and people were excited. There were a lot of comments on Twitter like, I've hated Bobby Hurley for 30 years since he played at Duke, but I really respect what he did. And uh, I really think there was, uh, there was a strong outrage maybe at the behavior of the Arizona State Athletic Department that wasn't there in February when we initially broke this story on the, the notice of claim being filed. So it's been interesting. And the fact that there are dueling lawsuits tied to this means that a lot of things are going to come up in discovery and Arizona State's apparent mishandling of this and dragging their feet of this is going to keep coming up over and over and over again. So in a fight between Bobby Hurley and anybody, isn't Bobby Hurley going to win this thing? You uh, would think? You Well, you would think so. The Hurley came out with a much more conciliatory statement. Uh, it was a yesterday. Said that, you know, he and Ray Anderson are cool and they're looking forward to working together and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And Ray Anderson is a well-paid athletic director, although he's not really – I wouldn't I – wouldn't, not sure I would say he's entrenched per se. But, yeah, I mean, to me, the the – the the huge problem here is just uh, it seems to be the most I thought most universities had figured this out when there is an allegation of any sort of improper behavior man to woman AD and other athletic department staff get out of the way get Title IX staff involved let them handle it I know this isn't student involved but it is employee's wife two employee's wife and so I don't know why. Yeah, three. I, I don't know why Ray Anderson was handling this uh, to begin with. So, Pat, you know, to me, when I saw that Bobby Hurley statement on Twitter last night, and I don't have any like inside baseball knowledge on this, that felt to me like someone's boss putting their finger on them saying, you have to say something so this looks better because this looks really bad. Like if you've ever spent five minutes with Bobby Hurley or any member of the Hurley family, quite frankly, be it his brother Danny at UConn or his father, who's obviously Bob, who's a Hall of Fame high school coach in, in North Jersey and you know kept St. Anthony's alive for, for all those years. The Hurleys aren't ones for conciliatory plaudits. They're not ones to back down from fights. They're not ones to kind of admit when they've been wrong. So my read on that was that was just somebody tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, this, you know, we've been in a, a bad news cycle here. You, you got to put something out there to make it look a little better. So that's that's my view of, of how that statement said, because Bobby Hurley is not one to back down. And that email, I think, really is sort of an unvarnished view of what his feelings were on December 8th. Now, what they are now, nobody really knows. He didn't really say anything, obviously, of substance in that statement. But I would guess lingering tensions from this have not just dissolved you know, because of a two sentence statement. Uh, rule of thumb: don't sexually harass the head coach's wife. That's a <laughs> other rule of thumb. Yeah, exactly. Pretty pretty good rule of thumb. All right, two quick items here, or or one quick one, and one very important one. Uh, I don't know if you saw this in Mobile, Alabama. A guy broke into a a empty, COVID empty, movie theater and just stayed for three or four days. <laughs> Didn't we have uh, an police, item? Uh, I think we had an item on a guy that broke into a Disneyland island or Disney World island that was going to yeah, stay Disneyland. there. Yeah, Disneyland. But he 
He was camping. And I think camping outside in Florida is a little hot right now. This guy's inside the movie theater. Uh, I think this is genius. He's he, he ate the snacks, got some got some sodas, slept on the floor. I, I don't know if he got any movies going, but uh, they they, they uh, got arrested uh, for uh, burglary third degree. Mm. But yeah, you just hang out in the theater. I think I'd be kind of, see all the movies. What the heck? Five on anyway. <laughs> I've yeah. always wanted to try to like run the popcorn machine at one of those, you know, see how I could do. Give Maybe. it a shot. Yeah. Uh, all right. This is the big one, though. The chicken wars, a a, a true military uh, military man has entered has entered the chicken war. Uh oh. And it's a doozy. Who we? Got? Colonel Sanders is here. The Colonel. Colonel Sanders, KFC is redoing their chicken sandwich. They are they are testing a new premium chicken sandwich in Orlando, Florida. Fast food chain, which has chicken in its name. Well, it's actually, I think, officially just called KFC, but Kentucky Fried Chicken. Has chicken in its name, has surprisingly found itself playing catch-up against rival chains, Popeyes, Chick-fil-A's, and McDonald's. As uh, those of all tantalized customers' taste buds with new takes on the classic chicken sandwich. This is a CNN. The KFC chicken sandwich, though, is here. It has extra crispy chicken filet placed on a buttered brioche bun topped with pickles and spicier classic mayo. $3.99 or a combo meal uh, for about 7 bucks. The crispy kernel, which they already sell, has been deemed not good enough. It took nine months. Pat, you live in, in Louisville, yeah. so I, I, I'm a little upset you didn't get this scoop. Nine months they've been trying to build this sandwich. <laughs> That's... I, I... Doesn't I, you'd think that a place that has chicken in its name could come up with a sandwich quicker than nine months. But what do I know? <laughs> Look, this is uh, a colossal failing by the colonel and his people. Because as you said, they they were chicken. And all of a sudden, everybody got ahead of them in the chicken race. They didn't respond. Nine months? Come on, man. You, got, you, you can't tell. What does it take to come up with a decent chicken sandwich? I'm going to guess a week. You know, Smith, go out there and get me 200 chicken breasts and let's figure out different ways to make them. And then we'll test them. OK, that one. We're going with that one. Put it on the market for the it, for KFC. It's like when Levi's just gave away the jeans market when they had it, like they owned the whole thing. And then all of a sudden, everybody else had it. And now KFC's kind of done the same thing. They had chicken and now they've given away chicken. And all we're left are those weird Colonel Sanders commercials that they have done for the last couple of years. I, I just think this is fascinating. Like they, the thicker pickle is a big situation here. <laughs> the extra thick pickles evidently cost 10 times more than the normal ten size pickle. Thicker, the 10 times thicker pickle. Wow. There <laughs> no you expense you gotta for the pay, thick pickle. You got to pay for a thicker pickle. I mean, that's just. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Oh goodness! Imagine though uh, being on this job. Well, how's a uh, we're going to try a different type of pickle this week? See how it works. I mean, what do you do? What do you do every day? Well, imagine being in a board meeting at the at KFC and being like, "Sandwich? Nah, nah. We'll just stick with what we're doing." They were trying. It's like toilet They've paper lines in this Russia in the eighties just to get a chicken sandwich. And you're like, "Yeah, we're good." Nine We're months. Good. No, they've been working Nine on it. They've been working. It's been. Uh, it was only like six months ago that Popeyes took everything over and ran out of sandwiches. Yeah. See, they had their crispy kernel and it wasn't doing it. I just can't imagine uh, like for nine months. What were they doing? Is it you know these middle managers? Well, they, they just, had to get. 
sitting in the laboratory? They had to cut the filet. They had to cut the filet so that it's 20% larger, but still cook through properly. Okay. You had to have the thicker pickle. <laughs> uh, and then a, quote, new type of bun to hug it in the right way. <laughs> I Maybe we just don't understand. Right now, there's somebody yelling at us, listening. Some poor guy yeah, in Louisville. Right. Been working on this thing day and night for nine months, and, <laughs> yeah. and we're just a bunch of idiots who can't understand. It's hard to make a sandwich. It probably is. He's sitting there. I'm coming home every night stressed out. I'm you know, complaining to my wife. We don't quite have the thickness right on the pickle. We got to go back in tomorrow <laughs> and work on it again. Yeah, maybe it's harder than we think somehow, some way. This is coming, I guess. If, if, if popular in Orlando, we'll see how people in Orlando like thick pickles. <laughs> <laughs> I'll uh, I'll hit the drive-through and check it out. I do know I did I noticed today, in fact, that the uh, the Popeyes drive-through is still booming near my house. In still middle good. Town. Well, it's not KFC has not rolled it out to its four thousand locations okay. yet, but it could. Yeah. So we're gonna find out. We'll, Someone we'll, in Orlando, go to KFC, find the ch- sandwich, and let us give us a review. We'll mention you on the next podcast. There you go. I yeah. I. Someone spends nine months making me a sandwich. I'm going to give it a shot. I think it'd be rude not to. That's a good point. All right. Colonel Sanders, let's see what you got, boy. See what you got. Uh, all right. That's our podcast. Please subscribe. We'll be back next week talking more college football and uh, and an update on the chicken wars and whatever else comes up. If you're 103, drink some beer. Talk to you later. I'm Mike Lizikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. We're the hosts of Skullduggery, a podcast that not only breaks down the news, but also breaks news. We deliver authoritative analysis while drawing intriguing historical parallels from our decades of covering D.C. scandals. With our current focus on the president and his administration's handling of the coronavirus, to the 2020 elections, we interview those helping to shape the stories. So subscribe to and download Skullduggery wherever you listen to your podcasts and be sure to follow us on social media at Skullduggery Pod.